maybe you talk a little bit about like what the fuck we're going to be talking about and yeah. uh, like why you wanted to do Macaulay Culkin movies because I still don't even know. I think it was supposed to be the Culkin brothers, but then that I thought that was like there's too much to cover, so I was like, let's just kind of stick to the one. Yeah, because they're they're kind of like an an acting powerhouse family of the the '90s and I guess early 2000s. Um, but like aside from like what Kieran Culkin, like there's not much going on other than Macaulay and the Culkin family, to be honest. Well, Rory. The youngest one, I guess, was in is he was in like in uh, Signs by like M oh. Night Shyamalan, whatever. Wasn't he in the mo- um, a movie called The Mighty where he had some sort of disability with legs with Sharon Stone? Was I his think mom? that was Karen. Oh, I don't know. They're anyway, all the same. Um, they do look alike. So please, I I'm dying to know, and I'm sure our listeners would like to know too. Why why the interest in the Culkins or in Macaulay Culkin movies? Really, what it like it comes down to a, a general interest, I would say, in like child actors as a whole, and which I think came from an interest in like coming of age movies. Like when I say coming of age, what I really mean is like basically just like any kind of like interesting movie that kind of has like a child protagonist, like the perspective of a child, mm-hmm. but like it's just kind of to me that it's it seems like a pretty classic theme. I like it when it's a little bit dark, you know, especially if it's like about kind of like outsider characters. Like mm-hmm. that just kind of appeals to to me because I guess I relate to that a lot because that's kind of like what my childhood was like. And as I kind of got into this this genre, I just like noticed a lot of like really good performances by some very young actors, and started noticing like, oh, the same actor is in these different you know this different movie or whatever. And I I think I just kind of have a, a general interest in that. And Macaulay Culkin is like the most famous child actor of our generation for sure, and um, arguably of all time. Like aside from Shirley Temple, I think like. Yeah. I, I think there was some sort of in in his, at his height, like he was definitely like compared to Shirley Temple. Uh, he was the first child actor to uh, earn uh, like in the millions for a movie role. Um, so that like that's pretty big. Um, he was like a Hollywood powerhouse for a while. Like it honestly, yeah. he decided whether movies got made or not, or how they got made, or who was in them. I mean, not personally, but like his presence. Yeah, and I don't think like I can't think of any other actor that would get like actual like first billing. You know, like like a 10, 12 year old actor with that much kind of star appeal. Like it hasn't really happened again like there's always kind of like every once in a while there'll be like kind of like a performance by a young actor that gets like critical acclaim and maybe they'll give a nod to that performance at the Oscars or the Golden Globes but or whatever it do- it but it doesn't mean that child goes on to no. be hugely successful and drive projects you know for yeah. years yeah so you know it's like everyone would let's say celebrate uh the perfor- we talked about the Jungle Book in our first episode and everyone would um celebrate Neil Sethi's performance in that but I doubt that he is going to be kind of driving for us determining what kind of projects you know uh, the different studios will be leading in, in the coming years or as yeah. you know people would I think studios made projects for Macaulay Culkin to yeah. be in yeah so so Macaulay Culkin is unique in that in that sense and also um, 
you know, it's always kind of interesting, like, seeing, like, what happens to these child actors as they grow up, and some of them go on to having, you know, successful careers, like people like Christian Bale, or, like, I oh, don't know. Oh, right, I forgot about him. Uh, yeah, he was in uh, Empire, Empire of, of the, the Sun. Sun. Yeah, I really liked that movie, and I really liked his performance in that movie. Like, while, yeah. we're, while we're on the topic, like, that's a three-hour war drama that he basically carries. Like, I, I think he was yeah. 12 or 13 when he was in this film, but he's the central character, and he's pretty amazing to watch, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really, like, it's a really multi-layered dramatic role, mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's, like, I think there's a large part of it, like, I, I have to credit, you know, the, the directing and the editing. Yeah, I mean, because like, Steven Spielberg is like, is so good at working with child actors. I mean, there's so many examples of Steven yeah, Spielberg movies where he's he just really gets the decent. best. He's he's a filmmaker who I, I feel like all of his work is like about childhood. Yeah, even the ones that don't feature children, like yeah. maybe not so much his later work, but like definitely like his like his classic films of like the 80s and 90s like were all kind of around the theme of childhood wonder and all that. Yeah, so like uh, how do we get on the topic of Christian Bale? Oh yeah, some go on and they they have these great adult careers and others don't. I mean, <clears throat> like Corey Feldman. Yeah, I mean Corey Feldman I think is I I don't really know much about his career. I don't think he was like a I mean he's certainly not as much of a tragic story as some of the other ones that like people like um you know, Brad Renfro, or like, uh, he was the kid in uh, The Client. Yeah, I remember him. Um, I think he died of a drug overdose. Oh, he's um, dead. Shit. Yeah, also like... He was totally River dreamy. Phoenix. River Phoenix was a good example of someone who had a very tragic... Yes, that's right. As well. That's right. Um, so Macaulay Culkin, like, certainly didn't carry his, you know, wasn't able to sustain his kind of, like... Uh, star status uh, into adulthood like he stayed famous but he wasn't top bill famous no and he also kind of dropped out of acting for a long time a long period and sort of like got back into it uh in adulthood uh like when he appeared and like he appeared in like an an episode of will and grace and then like he was in a, uh, a couple movies like party monster and mm -hmm. something called saved um and then he, but at the same time, he was also like, he was kind of hanging out with this like really sort of like hip New York crowd. And like, he was like, um, you know, like getting like photographed by Terry Richardson and like uh, did like a, a book with like Harmony Kareen. Now apparently he's in a band called the Pizza Underground. Do you know about this? Uh, I know he's in a band. I do like this name of the Pizza Underground. Because it's a, it's a cover band that does like novelty covers of the Velvet Underground, except that they're all pizza themed. Oh, that's great. It's this is very creative. It's actually kind of terrible. But <laughs> what do you mean? What I, I think that's really creative. And I he, like yeah. Uh, so anyway, I mean, I, I've been sort of like paying attention to what became of Macaulay Culkin with sort of like interest and curiosity, I would say. And I think it's a... Um, an interesting topic to talk about. All right. Well, that's that's quite like a respectable reason for wanting to do a Macaulay Culkin podcast. Um, I was kind of puzzled when you brought it up initially, but I was down for it for like a much different reason, which is just simply for me like a nostalgia thing. Mm -hmm. Like Macaulay Culkin was at the height, like peak popularity when I was a kid. And I think he's like 
a year or two, uh, just a few years older than me, really. Yeah, I think um, he's like kind of like right in the middle between like like your age and my age because he's a few like a few years younger than me. So right. So and I remember loving him as a kid. Like he was just the coolest, especially in Home Alone. Like that was a fantasy world. I wanted to be that kid. Like I wanted to be left home alone, but in a beautiful giant house at Christmas time and have like all this control and power and like he seems so charismatic and cool and I think I probably like imitated his stupid mannerisms from that movie because you know really? like he was such a cool kid yeah this is terribly embarrassing my god but like <laughs> when you're when you're like seven or eight or whatever and you see some like kid have sass and control over par like parents and other adults like that is the coolest man like when he slicks his hair up like he is a badass Mm -hmm. like he's just a total badass in that movie for a seven-year-old. Um, so I thought he was, like, the coolest. He was probably, like, my favorite actor. So, you, you know, he's a kid. He's accessible. And I loved Home Alone. Um, I still love it. My sister and I watch it, like, every holiday season. We'll watch it at least once. And I can, like, quote these long, these long bits of it. Like, I, I pretty much know the script by now. It's so deeply ingrained in my mind. Um, so I haven't seen it for, for, you know, I guess six months since we're recording in the summer, but I've seen it fairly recently and I love it. Um, what's your feeling on, uh, Home Alone 2? You know what? I like it, but less. Yeah. But I still like it. Like I really liked as a kid, like the introduction of the like New York cityscape and everything. Mm. It really is a beat for beat sort of sequel. It's definitely like, oh, you like that one thing. It was incredibly successful. Here's more of that and same that's, thing. And that's fine. And that, it's fine. Exactly. That didn't disappoint me because when yeah. I was a kid, what I wanted was the same thing, but again. Yeah, exactly. And it delivered. Yeah. And like, I think the pigeon lady was like a clever villain it's like on a bigger scale right with like deadlier death traps like mm -hmm. now he's got this whole like apartment under renovation with like toxic chemicals and real like work tools around to play with isn't like the second home alone like he's living in a hotel or what like what's the thing oh my god or is it I'm an apartment su i'm such a home alone nerd okay so what happens is he gets on the wrong flight they don't forget him he just follows the wrong guy because he looks like his dad in the airport. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get batteries for his little voice recorder. And uh, he ends up in New York instead of wherever the fuck they're going. Florida. I think they're going to Florida or whatever. Okay. Because they hated Paris so much because French people are rude in the first movie. He ends up in New York, but he ends up with his dad's bag because his dad has all the batteries. So he ends up in New York with like his dad's wallet, traveler's checks, credit cards, whatever. So he decides to check himself into this fancy hotel. Right. And how right. he does that is he's using this voice, like this tape recorder oh, the yeah, whole time okay. yeah, to like yeah, say yeah, things. Yeah. And then he speeds it, like he slows down the speed and mm -hmm. then he plays it into the, the phone or whatever and makes a reservation. So he'll be like, hi, I'm going to make a reservation. Then he slows it down and he's like, hello, I would like to make a reservation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I think, like, the reason I was asking that is because, like, I remember, like, one thing being sort of, and this is not something I at all picked up on as a kid, is mm -hmm. more, like, for me re-watching the movie, I don't know, maybe, like, five years ago or something. Um, I remember, like, there being kind of, like, a, a bit of a creepy vibe with, like, the hotel manager. And yeah, how Tim Curry. Yeah. Like, he, like, the, hates this kid. I, f I found, like, that there was something, like, really kind of, like, weird about, like, his obsession with this kid and, like... The sort of like threat that he represents, like, is a little bit kind of like, 
What? I, I don't know. I, I remember there being just kind of like weird vibes. I think this is that. a problem with like almost every child's movie. Yeah. Where a child's main um, adversary is an adult rather than another child. Right. And, and as a kid, you don't pick up on it because you see yourself more on equal terms with adults Mm -hmm. like you don't see this kind of like insane inequality really like you're like no 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 I'm a smart like I can and that's what the Home Alone movies are all about like the kid is just as good as the adults if not better like he's smarter but when you're making a movie like this Mm -hmm. for some reason you have to like try and come up with motivations for an adult to like care enough about a child to like sustain or entertain this rivalry (laughs) and it's like you end up with either someone incredibly petty or like in the first film they do it well because they're simply motivated by wealth and then they get hurt and then they you know they their pride is bruised exactly in the first movie like it's just like Macaulay Culkin is just an an obstacle to what they're trying to get to and and then they kind of have some revenge thing because he physically hurts them and they have like this pride thing like we've been foiled by a child Mm -hmm. Um, but they're still kind of creepy where they're like I'm gonna tear his little cojones off or whatever and you're like what the fuck um (laughs) But in the second one, I think it's, like, extra creepy because, like, the guy's motivated by, like, keeping up appearances at his hotel. But there's also this, like, maybe it's, like, Kevin McAllister's hubris. Oh, my God. I can't, can, I can't believe I'm talking about Home Alone 2 in this way. But maybe it's Kevin McAllister's <laughs> hubris in that, like, he's like, ha, 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 I'm so good at fooling adults. And, like, Tim Curry's hotel manager character kind of, like, suspects, like, he's being lied to, and he's this hoity-toity pompous guy, mm-hmm. and, like, maybe it's, again, his pride, like, he won't be, he won't be fooled, like, he won't be lied to by a child who's yeah. just invading his fancy establishment. Hmm. I don't know. And then the Rob Schneider character is weird, too. He's, like, the bellboy, and Kevin McAllister tips him with gum. Mm, he's, like, I don't always expecting a tip, and then he's, like, oh, here you go, and he gives him, like, you know, Wrigley Spearmint or some product placement. Hmm. Juicy fruit. <laughs> um, and uh, so anyway, yeah, Kevin McAllister has money because he has his dad's credit cards, but at a certain point, like, they cancel the credit cards. Yeah. And he's got to go, like, he's like, oh, he goes through the address book, and he's like, oh, my dad knows someone here, my uncle. But, like, they're away, and their whole building's being renovated. Okay. And that's, like, the little house of horrors. Oh, that's where he sets all the traps in there. Yes. Okay, yeah. okay. But cool. he does some, like, weird setups, like, in, in the bathroom in the hotel, like, where he's trying to trick them. They're like, go see if there's really a dad or not. And then he, like, has an inflatable guy that he buys at the toy store or something, uh, yeah. and he puts him in the shower. And there's, like, I don't know, weird recording, and I think there's, like, gay kind of hinting where he's like come in the shower there bellboy don't just stand there and look and it's supposed to be like ooh, oh no he went there and then he like chases the bellboy away with his like gay overtures something like that yeah which i think maybe adds to the sort of creepiness of the oh no because that's the bellboy so it's not the but they're like creepy as a duo the whole point is not that gayness is creepy but more that like in this sort of like this character's interest in a child and this kind of like weird sexual subtext that might be going on there like why are they looking at him in the shower and even the kevin callister character knows it and he's like hey stop looking at me in the shower get out of here you pervert or something like right, that right right and he's yeah. like you're such a pervert you're looking at me yeah so um that, but I, that's I think like, interesting i mean I, okay so this i i this went into a direction that i didn't really expect us to get to <laughs> but well if you want to talk about home alone like i got a lot to say yeah 
But the thing is, like, I, I think, like, in a weird way, it's not, like, all that surprising that we're talking about this aspect of it because, like, we're kind of... Like, I think what's kind of interesting to me about Macaulay Culkin is, like, there has to be, like, there, there's an appeal there that I think... Like, what is Macaulay Culkin's appeal, basically? What, like, because, you know, like... When it comes down to it, like, he's not the best child actor of all time. He's, he's okay. Like, he definitely has a certain kind of, like, energy and charisma and, and, you know, charm, I guess I would say. But, like, why is it that people love him so much or loved him so much at, in the 90s? And, it, like, it has to do with how, you know, like, I don't know, how cute he is and sort of, like, how... He, he was super cute, and I think there is something that he acted like a little adult, like... Yeah, he was it's that like precociousness this, like, thing yes. that people really like, I think, in child actors. I think so, where it's like, oh, so clever. Kids, yeah. they're like us, but not. Like, they're yeah. like us, but cuter and sweeter. And that's kind of part of the Kevin McAllister character, yeah. too, like, in the first movie. And even in the second one, it's like, oh, okay, this is for adults, but I can do this. Like, I can, I can do the laundry. I can buy my toothbrush. I mm-hmm. can check into a hotel. And it's like, we just thought that was just the cutest thing because it's like all the cuteness of a kid, but not helpless, and you don't need to do anything yeah. for it. You know? It's like this vision of the kid as like a sort of like miniature adult mm-hmm. as opposed to a kind of different type of person. So I, I think that was the appeal of him. Like, definitely, like, having rewatched some Macaulay Culkin stuff for this podcast... I realized, like, he was not the greatest actor. Like, he's kind of schlocky in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I've seen much better child performances. Like, Well, I think, like, like on that note, the movie that we both watched recently and that we're going to spend probably most of this podcast talking about is The Good Son, which also features Elijah Wood, which I would actually argue is one of the best child actors of all time. I think he's... Uh, like he was, he was amazing great. and I think, I think in that movie I don't want to get into that movie too soon but like I think in that movie like you really see like putting Macaulay Culkin against Elijah Wood in the same movie like it really hurts Macaulay Culkin in I, a way because <laughs> Elijah Wood is so much better so I would much have more to, I would have to agree that this was probably a terrible career move for Macaulay Culkin it's like you're this shining wonderful little child perfect adorable thing in a movie full of adults but like you put him next to other kids and it's like alright not so special anymore and then put him next to an actor like Elijah Wood and it's like Elijah Wood just acts circles around him man because uh, Elijah Wood like I mean as an adult like I mean he's mostly known I guess now for the, his role as you know uh, in the, the yeah in the Lord of the Ring and Hobbit movies which whatever it is what it is I'm not a huge fan of these I I, I love them so yeah know, I mean he's okay I, I don't think he's, he's a, like I mean yeah he's a good actor but uh, I think as a child, like, there's some child actors that just have, like, that are so natural on screen that it's almost like... They're just like, more adult. Uh, who, who's the one it's not who about played... be, Like, it's not even about being adult. It's just about, like, kind of, like, having this kind of, like, lack of self-consciousness. And it's almost like, you know, no, the way that, What like, I mean is they're more adult in their approach to acting. Like, they're not but just memorizing know, a line. Like, they, yeah. they they have an ability to become a character. Like, But the thing that I would argue is that I think that the, the child actors that are really good, in a way, it's not so much because they intellectualize it in the way that an adult would. It's more because, like, for them, it's almost like play. Because, you know, like, children are very good at play acting. They, like, and if imagination, you, if, yeah. If you watch kids just kind of playing... Uh, 
they inhabit these roles and they, they're totally, they're not like self-conscious about it and mm -hmm. they just pretend to be something else and they're like to them, like it's very natural in a way to act this way. And I think the problem with child actors that are not giving good performances often is that because you're trying to make them do something that they don't fully believe and they're just learning the lines and they're trying to say them and, and it's very, very clearly directed too it's not yeah. like you can just like free reign play it's like and scene yeah. now, now we're gonna go to the place by the stairs and say this thing and it's yeah. like but then every once in a while you get a you get a, a child actor who really kind of like inhabits the role and just mm -hmm. kind of embodies it and really you get the sense that it's not fake they're really living it in a way that I think adult actors I mean, aspire I think the, to. I think in the a way. best adult like, actors exactly. do. Yeah. Um. I I would say like one other performance I just want to note that I I really enjoyed from a child actor at the time is Kirsten Dunst. In, yes. In uh, Interview with the Vampire. So good. As Claudia, and this yeah. is a very challenging role because it's of course experiences that a child cannot relate to. Yeah, or, for sure. That's one of the all-time best uh, performances by a child actor. I think. Yeah, yeah. she was great. Um. So yeah, maybe maybe we should uh, maybe we should turn to the material and kind of some of what we watched. Um, My girl, a lot of people remember him for. My girl, I've seen um, in the past, like about maybe two weeks ago. My impression is that like after the big success of Home Alone, like My Girl was kind of like an attempt to um, kind of like show that he could be like in a serious, like in a dramatic kind of role because it's yeah. not funny. No, uh, it's like a little kiddie romance. Yeah, he's and not... And spoilers, spoilers for a kid romance movie from like 20 years ago. Spoilers, he dies from bee stings. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, the thing about My Girl is that, like, he's not the star of it. It's more about uh, the girl. Do you remember her name? Um, no, but she was so cool at the time. She is cool, and she's actually really good in that movie also. Let's let's look her up. Anna Chlumsky? Yeah, Anna Chlumsky. I don't know. I, I, I know I've seen her in something else, like, more recently, because I, I, I looked her up, and I was like, oh, it's her. But, uh... But it's like she's like the cool girl and he's like the nerd and it's like an unlikely romance or whatever. It's not even a romance. It's not it's not really a romance. They're best friends. She's actually in love with her teacher in this in this uh, movie. What? Yeah, she has like a huge crush on her teacher, like her English teacher. What the fuck? And like she goes into like um she she uh, enrolls in a summer writing like creative writing course that her teacher is doing, even though it's like an adult class. But she's like she wants to spend more time with her teacher. Who's so her teacher? Can... Um, I forgot what the name of the actor. It and better it, not, it's not be Dan Aykroyd. No, no, no. He's her father. Um, and Dan Aykroyd actually, her father is like owns like a, a funeral home. So her whole life she's been living in this. Uh, you know, surrounded by dead people, basically, and Amazing. and uh, yeah, that's him. Griffin Dunn is is uh, the wow, teacher. Wow, that's anyway. So she has a huge crush on him, but it's not it's not reciprocated. Like there's nothing there's nothing creepy about it. Like, but he's just kind of like, you know, he li he likes her, uh, he, he, and he's like a cool figure. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, but but when he sort of starts to realize that like she's actually in love with him then like he has a girlfriend and like anyway whatever but the the thing is that the Macaulay Culkin character is like her best friend uh, he's a bit of a nerd he lives like you know he's he lives close to her and they hang out a lot but she's he's more of a sort of introverted 
uh, kind of shy character. He has and glasses and he's weak and he's allergic to bees. He's allergic to everything. That's the whole kind of thing in the movie is that like he, he's allergic to everything, including bees. And uh, yeah, there's a there's a part where like she loses like her uh, her ring uh, around like a bee a beehive, or, and like he he goes to retrieve it for her uh, because they've been like fighting or something, and he's trying to like make it up to her and 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 get her you know cheer her up basically, and uh, and he gets stung by the bees and he dies, and it's it's also kind of like because she's been living in this like. Um, you know funeral home her whole life and like her grandmother just passed away i think and like so she's like kind of dealing with death and whatever so uh it's jesus a, christ it's 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 a really good movie i think i mean I, I i don't know it's hard for me to be objective about this movie because it's just like it's just really really sweet and i remember it's seeing all it about, in theaters like, and like thinking it was so sad when i was a kid or whatever but yeah it's really sad like i when i rewatched it it recently, sounds I cried very again. saccharine though like um kind of i mean i don't know i think it's sweet i think it's a really sweet movie it's got uh, some pretty good performances in it and it was a really sort of like uh like casting against type for Macaulay Culkin and I think very consciously so as That's a good. career yeah move. to make to make him like uh, an introverted like less charming sort of like sweet nerdy boy as opposed to like the cool kid on the block yeah like, exactly this little like richy rich like that bullshit yeah um yeah, yeah. So and it's one of his better performances I think like it's very kind of subdued and uh, I think it's probably in a way more convincing than his performance in, in The Good Son, which I think was kind of more challenging probably and, and a little bit less successful. So I think I think maybe we should turn to The Good Son. Yeah, Sun let's now. move on to The Good Son. That's the, yeah, that's the one we've been... I've I been w- actually dying to talk about this movie. Okay. So The Good Son is essentially a psychological thriller. Uh, it's a 1993 film. Uh, it is about a little boy, Elijah Wood, Uh, playing this character, Mark, whose mother dies, I think, from cancer, um, and whose father has this desire to to kind of set them up for life, quote-unquote, but in order to do so, and in order to, like, make sure that, you know, he never has to, quote, leave his son again, he's got one last big business deal to close in Tokyo, so um, basically it's about this very brief period in this little boy's life after he loses his mother in which he is sent to go stay with family on the other side of the country and where he meets his cousin who's a very disturbed little boy around the same age as he is um the intention is that they're going to be perfect playmates and it's going to help uh this mark character through a very difficult time but instead it turns out that uh the cousin played by macaulay culkin i think the character's name is henry Mm -hmm. uh it turns out that cousin henry is very disturbed very manipulative and uh very jealous and violent and just basically a little kid psycho and he makes uh mark's life hell and it becomes like a a typical thriller yeah i would say like to add a couple of layers to that one important plot point is that when mark was like uh with his his mother um just before she died he made her a promise he said like you're not gonna die i promise and that's a promise that of course he can't keep and then he feels guilty 
because he thinks that he's somehow failed his mother, that he's responsible for her death because he wasn't able to prevent it somehow. And then in the family that he goes to live with, his aunt and uncle, and, and they have two kids, uh, Macaul the Macaulay Culkin character, Henry, and a younger girl called Connie. Um, uh, the, they also used to have a third child, uh, a, a, young, a younger son, Richard, uh, who passed away a few years ago. And, and the mother also feels guilty about that death because the child died in, a, like in the drowning. bathtub. Yeah. Drowned in the, in, in the bathtub. And, and because she like walked away from it for, for just a few moments and came, and you know, she blames herself for that death as well. So it's about yeah. kind of these two characters who kind of, you know, both feel guilty and both haven't really sort of like processed their grief about, you know, a, a close family member. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, an interesting kind of dynamic that that, uh, mm -hmm. that the movie explores, I guess. Yeah, and then there's also, of course, just, just the structure of it, having a typical thriller, uh, you know, or, or good guy, and then our bad guy, who's, who's you know, the total villain making, you know, making all the threats and, and like being the source of all fear, but having the, the lead and then the, the main villain be children. Yeah. And I think like, as far as like the kind of development of like the Macaulay Culkin character, it's very similar to like, you know, like we talked like last, last episode about single white female and this kind of like, and also even Fatal Attraction and like the way that like sort of like this this like gradual reveal of like this character that's introduced as like a totally normal person and really sweet oh, no, and no. nice and then all of it and then it's like oh no like they have all these characteristics that make them kind of like you know hint that they might be a psychopath um, I would have to disagree really I think there's no attempt in this movie to even pass this kid off as a normal kid or a non-threatening kid for a second the first time mm. we see this this Henry character, he appears in a weird fucking Jason type Pepe Mache oh, okay. mask. But that, it's no, no, white, no 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 no. And he's we freaky. See him. We see him before that. We see just the back of his head. Yeah. As a sort of like menacing thing. Like they won't even show us his face. And, which then, I think and is then he appears in a mask, and it's a very creepy, lumpy pe Pepe yeah. Mache mask. And uh, yeah, it's not cool. And then it's like, oh ha ha! I made you a mask so we can be brothers. I'm so happy to welcome you to our house. That's great. But then at dinner. What, what's the first thing he does? He kicks the other kid under the table. And then he but kicks him back thing, and it's though. like they bond over this. I got but something to exactly, say Exactly, exactly. I think, I think what's going on is that like, that's from like the viewer's perspective. I agree that they immediately imply, and I mean, you would know. If you're going to watch this movie, you've seen the trailer. You've seen, The poster. Like, the poster you know, says you know, evil has many faces and exactly. it's a big face of Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, you know what you're going into. So they're not trying to hide it from the character, but I think from, or from, from the viewer, but from the character Mark's perspective, um, I do think that at first, like their relationship, like there is kind of a bonding thing and it's like, yeah, yeah sure. Like he kicks him under the table, but then like Mark kicks him back and, and it's he like, laughs. it's almost like, yeah, like you passed the test, you know, like you're not a wimp or whatever. Like, and then it's all about this kind of like challenging thing. Like he's going to like bring him to his treehouse, which by the way, what the hell kind okay, of parent? Okay, we're gonna get into this. We're gonna get into this. I was thinking the same thing, but just tell the tell the tell the listener. Okay, wait, wait. About what? About okay, the treehouse? Well, I I was gonna get into the kind of the boyhood things, like okay, you know, as I was watching this, there's a lot of things that like the first day or two that like Mark and Henry hang out, they do these kind of typical boy things, and and this is another aspect of the movie I find interesting. It's like oh, a nice like 
almost like nostalgia for boyhood. Like there's a dog involved and there's like a treehouse involved and like boys will be boys and they break windows and like they kick each other, but they laugh over it and they play fight and they run outside and they climb things and this yeah, and that. It's all very boysy. Yeah. It's like yeah. boys being boys playing raucously, you know, Oh, they fight. Oh, whatever. Ha ha ha. This is, this is how boys are. And it's like taking this kind of like beautiful, innocent sort of like, Oh, it's just a game. And it pushes it into a dark place. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, boys will kick each other under the table. You know, they will, they will like, toss their sister around and all, all that. But, uh, yeah, so there's all these kind of, like, natural images. Like, the treehouse. But but go on. Tell me your impression of this treehouse. Well, okay. So, they, they and this is very, like, one thing I, I liked about this movie is that it's very streamlined. It's like they don't waste any time at all. It's like... They don't fuck around. It's First like, ten minutes... It's kids, like, mom, oh, ki- kids at the soccer field, dad's there to say mom's not doing good, you're at the hospital, she's fucking dead, next, funeral, yeah. okay, conversation, take your kid to my house, do yeah. your Tokyo there's deal, no... and then he's it, like out of California and in New England and in this new house. Yeah, there's no like, there's no messing around, it's just like, it's like plot point, and they get to it like right away. And I then, love so, that, I appreciate that, yeah, that doesn't happen I think that much so too. anymore. Uh, and, and the same thing, we can talk about the ending, how abrupt it is also, it's just like, this happens and then that's over. Anyway, but then <laughs> they go into this, uh, this treehouse very early in the movie, like it's one of the first things that they do when these two kids are like hanging out on their own like henry is showing mark his world basically and he takes him to this treehouse and it's the most insane most dangerous unsafe treehouse i've ever seen in my life that he has to climb this like totally crazy it's like 45 rungs (laughs) of planks nailed to a tree it just like never ends and it's like what kind of parent would in their right mind let their child i I know what this this, is though and and i've seen reviews where people are saying like whoa Henry must have like built this. He's very, he's very, uh, I don't know, like industrious and innovative. And um, I thought the same thing. And then I was like, oh fuck, like I'm an idiot. This isn't a treehouse. This is like a hunter's tree stand that he's discovered in the woods. Cause it's not, cause it's not like uh, enclosed or anything. It's a plank and it's like where you sit and watch and wait for deer so you can shoot them from high up. Really? That's what I think it is. That's like mm. what it looks like. But it's like something that Henry's discovered and he's made it. Okay, so, so it's not to like me something it makes a little that... more sense. Because yeah. I was like, at first I was like, this is ridiculous. Then I was like, no, man. Like, we feel it's a treehouse, but it's this more, which is again also like a great kind of twisting of this normal, like, wholesome boyhood image. Like, it's kind of a treehouse, but it's not. It's a platform where you wait to kill an innocent thing that doesn't know you're, right. like, looking for it. Right, right. Um, again, so, like, his shed, that's a thing he finds. Like, he didn't build that shed. No, no, no. It's just a... Yeah. But I think, like, it's worth kind of talking a little bit more about the, the, the scene of the treehouse, though, because it's the first time that you really introduce, like, him as kind of a potential, like, serious threat. Because, like, while they're climbing this thing... Uh, and at first it starts like you know like it's like a challenge like, are you afraid of heights and he's like you know he's just like, like come on fit, follow me and he's just kind of challenging I feel like him. Elijah Wood says no like Mark says no but I feel like he is he is exactly and then when you get to the top of it like Elijah Wood like there's you know like one of the planks like kind of like breaks or something and he like almost falls and then like Henry is like uh, holding him and he says like if I let you go do you think you could fly and it's like this kind of like really like kind of creepy thing to say yeah like why are you pausing just pick him up already yeah you know yeah it is super creepy 
And then he, you know, he seems really serious and creepy, but then he smiles and he he pulls him up. And it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the tension's relieved. Like, they're kind of like, ha, ha, ha. And they're, like, hugging and frolicking on this, like, platform or whatever. Yeah. And this is a pattern that repeats for, like, the, the next couple days. Like, kind of danger and then, like, relief at the danger creates bonding. Yeah, exactly. And there's, like, you know, there's a scene where they get, like, chased by a dog across this, like, little bridge thing. And then a, a little bit later, like, um, Henry shows off his, like, kind of, like crossbow thingy gun that he yeah, built. Yeah, so let's talk about Henry's shed. Because this is more of <laughs> the thing. Like, never mind the tree stand. Like, Henry's like, let me show you my shed. And, like, this is, like, how did the parents not know he goes here? Like, I get it. They're like, go out and play. But they have, like, a really hands-off parenting style. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, there's woods near your house. But, like, you know enough that, like, later on you can like follow the little broken piece of fence into like the the area of the woods your kid goes but you've never seen his shed like it's the set decorators were really not subtle with this like they put like a little like humanoid kind of doll figure hanging from a noose like in henry's shed that's like visible the first time you go in there like everything looks like death stuff it's like masks like like it's just it's just creepy and it's filled with shit like gasoline canisters and like yeah. Yeah, like you don't I wouldn't let my eight year old boy have a shed full of like nails and nail guns and, and flammable materials. But anyway, so yeah, what's he got in his shed? He's showing him his crossbow that he made. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else. I mean like he brings him when he shows him the crossbow thing, uh he like they like aim at like a cat and it's like um Mark says, like, don't don't shoot the cat, just scare her. Just yeah. give her a scare. And then, like, Henry's like, yeah, sure, of course, you know. But then, like, he shoots and he, like, just barely misses the cat and, like, hits... The, and, like, Mark is impressed with, like, how precise his shot was. And, like, Henry's like, yeah, but, you know, the sight is not exactly right on this crossbow okay. thingy yet. So, like, <laughs> so two, two things, two things I want to... I want to... Like, I think this brings me to a question, like... What did you think of Macaulay Culkin's performance in this movie or of just the character of Henry in general? Okay, well, those are two separate things. But, like, one... <laughs> I'm going to talk about the character first. I think okay. the character... The character psychology, I think, is kind of bullshit. I don't really <laughs> buy it. I think, like, they go for the sort of, like, you know, the classic psychopath traits of like you know he doesn't have any empathy he doesn't really understand emotion there's a part where he talks about death like he asks mark when they're hanging out with all over the well like he asks him like you know did you get a good look at your mother after she died like did, you know you should have investigated it and he's like what i'm just being scientific like when oh my, i love that when, line too though like it's terrible but like he said it a few times like yeah. no you have to be scientific i'm being scientific about it yeah he's like, like my for, my brother was blue when he was in the bathtub Look yeah. at his lips, you know? And that's kind of like, that serves two purposes. Like, first of all, it's like, okay, so he was around when his brother died. So already that's like, okay, he, like, he got a good look at him. Like, what, what, why is that? I wonder. But then also, yeah, this kind of like scientific thing that like to him, like death is just kind of like a thing that happens to beings. And he's like investigating it without any emotion. And like, 
you know, later there's a scene where he's like, you know, uh, suggesting that maybe he's going to kill his mother, but like, and then he's like looking at himself in the mirror and he's like, he's got like tears and it's, he's clearly like preparing to like put on a show for when his mother dies because he's going to have to pretend that he's sad about it and cry. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's the classic sort of like psychopath thing. Uh, which I get um, but the th part that I didn't really believe so much is like after they throw okay there's a part where they like they, he builds this like dummy and they throw it at the you know from an overpass yeah he calls it Mr. Highway Mr. Highway so they he throw makes like a human sized like adult sized dummy with like a, a comical like a fishing hat and like a full outfit like he looks like Fucking Wilson from Home Improvement. Yeah, it's great. It's and they really throw great. it. They throw <laughs> it onto the highway, and it causes this totally over the top like pile up of like you know the great like crazy car accident or whatever. And then after that, like he's talking to Mark, and Mark is like, you know, what the hell? Like this, this is like totally not okay. And like someone should have died, and then he's like disappointed when he hears the news. <clears throat> like shockingly, mm -hmm. no one died. And Henry says, like, you don't know how to have fun. Like, you know, like, I used to be like you, afraid. But, like, then I realized that, like, you know... You have if to be you're... free. Yeah, and, like, once you realize that you can do anything, then you're free. You can and then fly. You can fly. And this whole thing about flying, I was like... It's very stupid. It's kind of dumb. It's I didn't really believe it. It's, yeah. Like, I feel like it was all leading up to, like, the end or to of this. Of course. Like, it's so of course. stupid. It's so obvious. Yeah. Like, a child would not speak in such profound metaphors. Like, no. ch children understand symbols, but I think unconsciously, you know, like... Yeah. I don't think children, like, use metaphors to express themselves. Like, yeah. children are quite direct. The other thing that I thought I didn't, didn't quite it. work with the with the psychology of it is that, like, on the one hand, you're kind of, like, positioning him as this kind of like you know classic psychopath who doesn't understand emotion or empathy or any of these things but then they're also kind of making him jealous when when uh, Mark starts to bond with his mother he he clearly is disturbed by it and he starts to see Mark as a threat because like he you know and I think that doesn't really that doesn't really it's not work. the same it's, it's not two the same different disorder. characters yeah. and at the same time like if if he lacked empathy to such a degree how would he be able to be so manipulative because mm -hmm. part of, like, Henry's whole thing is he's able to, uh, like, pretend that emotion. So is he just, like, so scientific and such a good observer that, like, he's seen how other people react emotionally and can mimic it? Like, I don't buy it at that age either. He's he's just kind of, like, too good and too advanced and too good at fooling yeah. people. Um, another thing that... It's not so much about Macaulay Culkin's performance, but it's how the character is <laughs> written that bothers me is, like, he announces everything before he does something bad like yeah. this was comical to me like <laughs> if i let you go will you do this will you fly and like shit and the, like and the other thing he keeps saying too is like oh you don't really believe that i could do that do you like he I says know, that like a it's million so times in the stupid. movie like you think i'd poison my family you now, think i'd why hurt my own sister this? you think like, i'd kill my own mother like Okay, good like stop. It's, it really, for me, detracts from, like, the creepiness of the kid. Now, oh, yeah, so this is this is about the writing. So, like, first thing I noticed in, in the opening credits is, like, screenplay by Ian McEwen? Yeah. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, you mean, like, award-winning, awesome, super big, important, 
huge British novelist of the 20th and 21st century, Ian McEwan, wrote The Good Son. Yeah, that's a little bit crazy. What the fuck? Like, this guy <laughs> wrote the novel Atonement. Like, he's pretty huge. And um, so I looked into it a little further because I was like, mm, this screenplay is not actually that strong. Like, I, you know, like this characters announcing kind of like yeah. exposition and motivations like in dialogue what the fuck and it turns out like actually there were a lot of rewrites involved which i think maybe i'll touch on when we talk more about the production uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that like the weak writing is a result of rewrites that's interesting yeah i didn't know that i wondered about that also but because uh, i think like on the surface like if you don't if you don't look at the actual like plot mechanics and like you know weird dialogue or whatever uh, like the story I, I can is very McEwen. Exactly. I yeah. can see how like the themes that are explored and the kind of like the type of story like I'm I, thinking especially of things like the cement garden and whatever like those are like pretty kind of dark weird kind of family dynamic sort of stories like I can I see totally, how that would I totally in. get that. I totally get that. I just don't see McEwen going and what if I took a big knife and then I would cut you with that knife and you know like that yeah, that's yeah. not a piece of dialogue in the film but that's kind of like on par with with what you experience. And mm -hmm. then there's also... Okay, so you also talked about the crossbow. And something occurred to me when watching this, which is like, oh, this little kid who just happens to be so smart and inventive that he uses the materials around to make, like, these deadly devices and traps. I'm like, this is kind of like <laughs> a bizarro, sick, dark version of, like, Home Alone. Yeah. Like, he has yeah. all the adults fooled. He's making these, like, complicated contraptions yeah. that are, like, deadly dangerous. And in a way, he's like this little Macaulay Culkin star who's like, I'll tell you what I'll do next. Har, har, har. So smug. Yeah. But it's, like, the shitty version of that kid. Yeah, he's definitely... Yeah. I, and I wonder how much of that was conscious because, like, it's for like sure... Bizarro he's like, Kevin McAllister. He's the, yeah, he's the dark version of Kevin McAllister. Like, he's, like, that character pushed to its darkest okay. kind of, like, extreme. So, okay, maybe now is a good time to actually talk about the production of this film. Okay. Like, why this film exists, my understanding was, like, Ian McEwan kind of, like... Uh, got inspired to to write this like he, he basically had this idea of like I'm gonna make like m a screenplay about like evil maybe concerning children and like they were gonna do like a low budget but high class movie and and it wasn't like something that Fox would normally do but um, so so they were like nah I don't know but then this like independent producer took it on Marianne Page and then um, he started writing it anyway and anyway, basically what happened was Home Alone got really popular and then also The Silence of the Lambs got really popular. And wow. like they That's showed so they showed That's... that like kids were really in at the moment because it wasn't just kids that liked Home Alone. They're like what's what's hot at the moment? What's hot at the moment? Kid movies and also psychological thrillers. Like this is fucking great. So Fox, which was the one that like or originally like uh like was in talks with uh, Ian McEwen, like revisited it, and they were like, "Cool, okay, no, we we want it. Actually, it's like more co commercially viable because we know people will go see a thriller, and people will also like go see a child movie." But like ultimately, uh, like they had cast like Mary Steenburgen as the mom and like two unknowns as the kids. But ultimately, what happened was like uh, Macaulay Culkin's father like got wind of the project and decided like this would be a really good role to show like his son has like can do dark 
roles as well mm-hmm. and basically muscled his way in and forced them to like cast Macaulay Culkin as the evil kid or they wouldn't do Home Alone 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, this happened between Home Alone yes. and Home Alone 2? Yes. This film is between oh, Home Alone and Home Alone that's 2. That's so crazy. So, I thought it was after. That's so messed up. So what they did was they... they <laughs> rip, so Kit Culkin is Macaulay Culkin's dad. He basically... He was super influential at the time. And he basically said, like, this is a condition for appearing in Home Alone 2 or we won't do it. And then Fox was like, sure, whatever. He's super <laughs> famous. Sounds good. And then, um, but but it, it changed the production schedule. Like Mary Steenburgen wasn't available anymore. But now Elijah Wood was available. Because he mm-hmm. was like famous from the Free Willy franchise, I think. No, um, he's not in Free Willy. Wasn't Elijah Wood in Free Willy? No, definitely not. Oh, Flipper. Flipper. See, that's yeah. where I'm getting confused. Yeah, Flipper. Yeah, okay. Normal so, mid- well, whatever. A movie about a fucking marine animal. Okay. <laughs> so, basically, like, Maca- Macaulay Culkin's dad was like, no, he's got to do this movie. But then it was like, oh, now we can have these two, like, big child stars. And, like, who gives a fuck about the famous adults? Like, nobody cares. It's not about them anyway. And then the the Culkin dad, Kit Culkin, also insisted that his daughter play Connie, the female oh my role, God. right? She's so terrible. She's so fucking She's bad the in this worst. movie. Because we've been oh talking my about God. <laughs> we've been talking about child actors that are like charismatic and that are like you know various levels of acting skills or whatever but she's the worst she's the bottom of the rung she's like completely wooden she just delivers her line as if she's reading them from a card there's a scene where she's fucking fighting for her life okay like she's like falling through some ice they're ice skating whatever and it's made to look like uh, the henry characters like launched his sister on thin ice on purpose yeah and like, I can tell the director and, and editor are, like, really struggling to, like, frame this in a way where you don't have to see her face so they can, like, re-record the voice. <laughs> so you see, like, the back of, like, her head with, like, a winter hat on. Yeah. And it's like, help me, help me, Henry. Help, help me, help. Like, it's that unenthusiastic. Like, you're fucking dying, kid. Like, you look like you're falling asleep. We yeah. fucking do it. She's so bad. Ugh. Yeah, no, she's definitely the weakest link. So he forced movie. he forced that in, and even like the dead brother Richard. I don't know if you noticed, but like the photograph in the family home of the dead mm-hmm. baby brother is like fucking Kieran Culkin or something. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. ridiculous. So anyway, uh, the director walked off the project, and then they got on Joseph Rubin, who did Sleeping with the Enemy, but he was like more conservative. So he thought that the the script was too complicated. So he demanded all these rewrites from Ian McEwan, mm-hmm. like. Anyway, all, all this to say, like, I think the film was very different at the end than what, like, McEwen kind of had originally thought for this yeah, film. It became, like, sense. a vehicle for these child stars yeah. that got oversimplified and was, like, trying to be repackaged as, like, a sleeping with the enemy with eight-year-olds. Yeah, and I think that pretty much sums up, like, the quality of the movie, like, basically exactly reflects that right because there's like some interesting themes there there's some pretty good performances there's you know some thrills but at the same time it's like it's it's not a perfect movie it's very far from a perfect movie and it's because of these kind of like impositions you know for like whatever commercial reasons and yeah and aside from the bad writing like Macaulay Culkin's just not that good in this role like, he's so campy. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, campy. Well, that's the thing. I mean, to come back to that, like, I think the comparison between Culkin and 
and Elijah Wood is yeah like I Elijah Wood like I remember like seeing Elijah Wood in this movie called Paradise which is actually a remake of a French movie called Le Grand Chemin um, it's like a, it's like a typical coming of age film um, a little bit similar to this in, in the sense that like he, I think he goes to live with like an aunt and uncle for a summer for whatever reason uh, and I think Either they've lost a child or they can't have a child or mm -hmm. something. They've been trying to have a child or whatever. Actually, it's a little bit similar to My Girl in a way because, like, Elijah Wood plays, like, a, this very shy kind of, like, introverted kid. And this girl who's more kind of the adventurous tomboy kind of type is kind of challenging him and, like, trying to get him out of his shell in a way. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where they fight and, like, she tells him about, like, you know, oh, your mother's never coming back or something like that. And um, and he the way that he reacts in that scene, and I remember like I was pretty young myself when I was watching this movie, and I remember being impressed by his performance because he turns red in a way that you can't fake that. In order to like have that physical, like, make blood emotional go to your face. reaction, you have to actually ex you have to like live it like emotionally. And I was like, oh my god, that's this is like a really good actor, and I've kind of followed his career since then and like I think like in in this movie like yeah he's like really good like he's really uh, he, he's always like he always looks like he's concentrating you know like he always has a serious look like he's really thinking like there's something going on in his mind and and Macaulay Culkin I think um, on the other hand like just kind of looks like yeah I mean you can, t you almost feel like even at that time, like he was already kind of maybe a little bit of a diva in a I way. Feel, in the I feel the same way. I was going to say the same thing. That like he's, he's like, he's not I'm acting because he's like, I'm on screen. My job's done. Exactly. People fucking love me. <laughs> like, I don't have to try anymore. Um, and I also think like he was so celebrated for like just being cute. Yeah. And like being sassy. It's like he doesn't have to work as hard. Yeah. It's just but like, like yeah. this movie doesn't have any sass in it. Like your character, yeah. like he almost feels sassy. He's like, do you really think that I would do this thing? Har, har, har. Like, yeah. that's not, that's not a scary role. Kid. And you know what I thought was interesting too? There's like a scene where like later in the movie when like, I think Mark is starting to like, you know, at this point he really understands that like, that that uh, Henry is like completely fucked up and, and he's and dangerous. He's dangerous. not just a weird he's kid. He's trying to tell other people about it, but the adults won't believe him. He's actually, I think he's actually tried to tell the mother and she like slaps him and she's like, oh, what are you right. talking about? It's my son. Anyway. And like, uh, Henry tells him like, you know, don't fuck with me. And it's like the only time that he, sw he swears. That there's the only swearing in the entire movie. And it's like, it felt so out of place and it's gratuitous. It's so jarring and stupid. And it's like... They're it's, like, he's as dangerous as an adult. You feel it's like, like I, that's really like, you know, it's almost like, yeah, we want to like, uh, like show that like Macaulay Culkin can be like this kind of like edgy, you know, character also, or I don't know. I, I don't really understand. It was really bad. Yeah. For me, like, you, you know where the character actually got scary? Was in, was in the stuff that I believed a, a fucked up kid could do. Like when he tries at the crossbow and ultimately that dog that like chases them the like second day or whatever. Mm -hmm. They go back and revisit that dog and he fucking kills the dog. Yeah. Like that to me is like pretty terrible. It happens off screen but then it's like like we've already been introduced to like the, there there's this well where uh, the Henry character keeps cigarettes. 
and yeah. uh, he smokes and he's badass or whatever um, and then you see them kind of you hear the dog whimpering after Macaulay Culkin shoots him with his like little homemade crossbow and then you see them carrying this like bloody sack and dumping it in the well mm-hmm. and it's like that to me is more disturbing than like these elaborate lies like it got really ridiculous when like Macaulay Culkin uh, visits uh, well let's just say when Henry visits Mark's therapist yeah, and yeah. like preempts Mark's story by you know yeah because like, now it's like all of a sudden he's like a criminal mastermind and it's like yeah it's a little bit far-fetched what did you think about like the let's talk about the mother a little bit because oh I yeah think, yeah I mean we're gonna have to talk about the ending which we haven't yeah. even talk, touched yeah. on yet I but have like, a lot of I thoughts think, on the mom so the mom like I, I thought like early in the movie like you see her like on like she's like hanging out on this like cape or like at the edge of this cliff or whatever which is where the like denouement of the like of the movie yeah is they're place. like in new england like, and they have this property by the ocean and there's a sort of like little um like rock that juts out like on a cliff or whatever and she goes and she stands there and she thinks and you know the henry character says oh she goes there she thinks about richard you know yeah whatever. so this is basically where she goes to kind of be alone and sort of like you know like process her grief about her you know her son that that died or whatever and then later in the movie like after the accident with connie which you described earlier where like henry kind of pushes her onto thin ice and she like she almost dies um mark goes to her um and and tries to tell her like look i don't think this was an accident i think henry's actually really dangerous and he did this on purpose Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to hear it she slaps him and she's like what are you talking about this is my son i love don't don't ever come to me with these lies again exactly but then after that there's which i think might be my like is one of my favorite scenes in the movie like because Connie's still in the hospital and Henry basically goes to the hospital at night to try to finish the job. So Yeah, he go- what the fuck? No, but this is really but like good. how did he get to the hospital? Is he know. already yeah. there? Like don't, what the fuck? Don't think about it too much. He goes <laughs> into he goes into her room and he like grabs the pillow and you can tell that he's about to like suffocate her, but then he didn't look around the room. He realizes like his mother's in the room with with him and she's like Henry, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I just came, you know, I was worried about Connie. I just wanted to see how she was doing. And, <laughs> and I think, like, that, that's actually a pretty good scene, I think. It, it was a good scene because you could even tell, I, like, the, the mother character. Who, who plays the mother in this movie, by the way? I don't remember her name. Uh, is it Wendy Crewson? Yes, it's her. Uh, the, the mother in this film, you could tell in that scene on the cliff when uh, Mark comes to warn her about her son. She's got a seed of doubt already. Like if well, something's if something's say. just ridiculous, you laugh it off and you say, "Honey, honey, I th- I think you're really you know you're dreaming of things." But there's no reason to get like super angry and slap a kid unless it's already a nerve, you know. Like he's yeah. he struck a nerve. It's like she already had her doubts probably about Richard. Like she must have noticed that something was off about him or something. And yeah, probably- which is like a whole question throughout the movie is like. How come it's so obvious to us? Like, has he never acted up at school? Has, mm-hmm. Have his parents never noticed, like, a dynamic with the sister? Yeah. Like... Because the other thing is that, like, she's been spending all this time going back over and over about what happened when her son died. Because she blames herself. So she's, yeah. she's going to this, you know, this cliff, whatever, rock 
place to like think about what happened and and how she could have like prevented it maybe and probably she's been thinking about like what was what Henry doing what happened but like, then what? that would just compound the guilt like this yeah. is an interesting kind of like psychological exercise because mm -hmm. then what if you admit to yourself let's say your other son uh, you know is responsible for this then you have double guilt for even thinking those thoughts yeah because it's yeah. a horrible thing for a mother to think it's like she's probably like you know like try, like she would interpret that as like her trying to pass off the blame onto someone else and it's like what kind of mother am I yeah you know? it's, a, it's a very interesting problem yeah. and then you see the doubt happen again like the doubt is big enough that Mark planted that she lets herself in the hospital ask like Honey, what if, really happened? You know what yeah. what happened? If anything were wrong, you'd tell me, wouldn't mm -hmm. you? And she's very unsure. A little bit later in the movie, like I guess, like when she re like when her doubts really kind of get kicked up a notch uh, into like real kind of like suspicion is like when she goes to his shed and she finds the duck, uh, the rubber duck that was like that you know she'd been looking for it every like you had seen it earlier in a picture of of, uh, of Richard kid, of Richard and uh, she like kind of questions uh, Henry and is like where did you get this you knew I was looking for it and you never said anything and then he you know he says I like he tries to tell her like oh I just wanted to have something to remember Richard by but like he also says like well it was mine before it was his yeah like and, there's this tension first he says yeah. it was mine before it was his and when he sees that's not working with his mother and he says give it back I just wanted something to remember him by like this manipulation again mm -hmm. and she said he says can I have it back now and she says no you can't have it back and he says it's mine yeah. Yeah, this is like well, maybe this like possessiveness, like he's possessive as his mother too. I think I don't feel like I'm I'm totally done with the mother character yet though cuz there's this like weird this weird aspect where like the mother becomes like a really strong source of desire between the boys. Like she's kind of almost like fetishized. Like this this person belongs to me and it's this sort of like I don't know. They they just like they struggle to to have to to like possess her in a way and of course the Elijah Wood character has this like weird like is he insane he believes that like part of his mother is in her or that yeah. like his mom says before she dies like I'll always be with you and he interprets that as like I'm gonna go in some other woman's body and then like she'll be yeah I feel like that's a real yeah that's that's the thing that I also like I don't really know why they felt the need to include that because it seemed kind of unnecessary. But like, there's a scene where like he remember like I think he wakes up from like a bad dream or something, and he goes downstairs and he sees like Just Hen her Henry's coat. mother. She's like, yeah, she's wearing like this white house coat, and she looks very kind of angelic. Yeah, it's and very for some flowing reason, and beautiful. You don't see her head; you just see like a woman's hand, like yeah. the back of a woman. It's like this symbol of like pure femininity of like motherhood, where yeah. like it's this like idealized like. Virgin Mary mother figure thing. You yeah, know? and and Mark looks at her and he thinks like, oh, ma you know, I knew you would come back. He obviously thinks it's his mom. And then she comes to him, and then you see that it's actually Henry's mother, which was obvious from the beginning. But then, and then he's like, oh yes, like he continues this fantasy that he thinks like, I knew you would come back, and she doesn't really tell him like, no, it's me, like, and she just kind of like, well, maybe she's like, and, they're both missing something, like she's missing yeah. a son, he's missing a mother, like. Yeah. There's and like a, little a sick bit, connection there. And then later, like, when he, you know, when he's, like, uh, arguing with Henry about whatever, like, he, he actually flat out tells him, like, no, she's my mother too now because, like, I, you know, and, and it's clear that he kind of has this, 
kind of I, I don't want to say disturbed but like uh, it, delusional like, uh, idea that like yeah his mother is actually living in the body of this other woman now. like it undermines the character as yeah. as the protagonist in a way because it's like the villain is like no the villain's the crazy one yeah to me it's just kind of a thing that I kind of ignored because I'm like yeah whatever that's not really that interesting and it's like ultimately like doesn't really matter like he's just a kid kind of like processing his grief or whatever. Yeah, I kind of wish they hadn't put it in there, yeah, honestly. Yeah, me too. I, I think there's also kind of a, a weird sort of, like, gendered aspect to this film, like, which is very much about, like, boys. Boys are tough, you know? And it's this, like, like boys can do this and boys can do that and they can be violent and they can, like, they can face their fears and this and that and it's, like, the women are kind of just, like, Connie's left out of shit. Like, Connie doesn't get to participate in the boy games. And, like, even mm. the mom is seen as weak... Like, because the dad can, like, get over the death. Like, just get over it, you know? And she's like, no, and keeps crying in the kid's room every day. It's kind of pathetic. Um, yeah, I guess so. But maybe yeah. they maybe they switch gears a little bit with that at the end. You want to talk a bit about the ending of this movie? Yeah, so the ending, I mean, yeah. Like, the ending of this movie, like, before I rewatched it, like, this, uh, this week... There was two things I remembered very clearly about this movie. One was the scene where they throw the dummy into the highway and cause the car crash. And the other one was the end. Because the end is like... Henry basically... His mom finally confronts him and flat out asks him, like, did you kill Richard? And Henry's like, well, what if I did? And then she she sort of says like well we're gonna get you help we're, we'll find we'll a way we'll yeah. deal with it and then he gets angry and he just kind of like runs off he says yeah like I, gonna I, kill himself. yeah I, I would rather die than than go you're gonna send me away you're gonna send me to to a place for crazy people I'd rather die yeah so then she runs after him thinking that he's gonna jump off this cliff but he's been hiding in the bushes or whatever and then he like comes out and he's like oh you don't know me very well and he like pushes her off the cliff again announcing like i i'm gonna kill you now mom <laughs> yeah, like, like this stupid ah anyway yeah and she he kind of like he runs into her and she's not expecting it so he manages to like shove her off the cliff that she always you know goes and contemplates yeah. at. and then like and then the elijah wood character shows up and they they fight while she's kind of like claw like she manages to like grab onto a branch or something and she like climbs her way back onto the cliff while the two boys are, are fighting at the top at like the top. you know while Henry's trying to knock which uh, I have Mark to off. say I thought was pretty well done like it was so exciting it, it really looks like there's like I don't really know how they filmed it because like it looks like they're on the edge of the cliff like there's no protection it's, and it's very like, gripping yeah it's really literally well yeah like it, there's a lot of gripping happening <laughs> in this scene yeah so then the two boys kind of like fall off and she grabs onto both of them like she's holding like each each of them in with a, her two hands and they're both trying to like kind of climb back onto the cliff but she can't support them both and she has to make a choice between which one she's going to save and which one she's going to let go. And it's almost like this is very interesting because it's like of course mom's going to choose her own son and you'd think that if it was just the two of them dangling like Fuck, man. Sorry, Elijah Wood. It's been nice <laughs> knowing you, but whatever. I know you're a better actor, but... Like, fuck, like... <laughs> top billing commands it. Um, but uh, then then Henry starts talking, 
He's like, I love you, mom. I love you, mom. And he's don't let me fall. I need your other hand, mom. Yeah. I can't hold on with one hand. And he's like doing his little manipulative thing before, like like he did before. And uh, yeah, climax of the movie comes and like she just lets him go and she grabs uh, Elijah Wood and and saves him. And it's uh, it's a horrible thing. They don't fucking shy away either. Like the camera, like pans fucking down. And you see, like, a tiny little fucking Macaulay Culkin body dummy with, like, blood spurting out of it, like, on a rock in the water, and then a wave just comes and fucking drags it away. Yeah. And you're like, that's the end of you, kid. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great, actually. (laughs) But then the other thing is that, like, there's no, like, you don't really see the repercussions. There's no, like, there's no epilogue. There's nothing. It's there's just no, like, like, court case or, like, crying no, or whatever. It's like, she just hugs this kid and it's like. Then the, the, the only thing is, you see Macaulay, uh, I mean, Elijah Wood, there's narration which comes on. Like, there hasn't been any narration in, no, in the entire the, the movie. No, but the opening shot of the movie is, like, a silhouette of him standing in some, like, southwestern yeah, or California, whatever. like, Utah looking mountains. And then, like, the opening scene, I remember taking note, like, like, what is this frame? Is, is this the end frame? Like, why yeah. is there a boy on a mountaintop, you know? But so I think it's a little that. bit whatever. Because, I, like, then the voiceover comes in and it's like, and, you know, we were all safe from Henry at this point, but, like, I couldn't help but wonder if she had to make that choice again, would she make the same choice? I guess I'll never know. And I'll I, never ask. Yeah, he's like, it's I'll like, never ask her. And I it's know ter- it's something I'll never ask. And it, it's pretty cheesy, but the point is that, like, basically, it ends. Like, I and I thought that was kind of amazing, too. Like, no, like, the father doesn't even come back. There's no hugging. There's no funeral. There's no, like, dealing with the repercussions of it. It's just, like, movie's over. This movie is That's not it. about a family. No. Like, at the end of the day, I think it's a movie about, like, two people dealing with like grief and loss by making connections with Mm -hmm. each other like it's about two people who would be totally alone because of their losses that are less alone because they found someone else who suffered the same loss yeah like at the end of the day the villain's just like an obstacle for them to like get get to each other Mm -hmm. and like the uh, the rest of the family is incidental like just like mark's father is a nobody yeah like oh just go to Tokyo it's better for us like he calls and kind of helps at some point but he just says like go to the therapist like nor in a normal movie I think like dad would show up just in time you know and like help him out or something right but right. really it's not about that yeah um so did you like this movie well th- that's the thing I think the movie was it your first time watching it it was my second time watching it, but I had no recollection of the ending. Oh, like, okay. I just vaguely okay. remembered, like, a mean little boy. Like, I saw it when I was around, like, that age. Like, around mm-hmm. the release time, right? Yeah, So, me like, too. for me, it was just like, oh, I mean, I would be a kid, and then there would be a mean kid, and it would be super scary because the grown-ups wouldn't believe me, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so, I think, I mean, I I liked it. I, I felt that, um, sort of, like, knowing where it was going, like... Because it's so streamlined and there's no real, like, kind of character development or anything. It's just kind of like, this is the story and we're just going to, like, rush through it and then it's over. Like, I, I appreciated that in a way, but also I think, like, as a kind of, like, there's not a lot to go back to if you already kind of know where it's going in a way. Yeah. So I, 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 I liked it. I think there's some obvious problems which we've talked about in terms of the, you know, how convincing the psychology is or whatever. But it's still pretty good. And I think it's a, it's a... 
as kind of like compromised as it is from whatever you know the the, the original intent was with the screenplay I think it's a it's a good vehicle for Elijah Wood I don't know if it's such a good vehicle for Macaulay Culkin I mean no it's, definitely not definitely I th- not I mean I like it. I mean, it's part of why I, I find Macaulay Culkin's career interesting is that this is in it because I, I you know, it, it's interesting that they went there, that they were like, okay, we They have- tried everything, but you know what? They did it too quickly. Like if they had let him just be a charming kid and waited for him to yeah. be a preteen to show his like, uh, I don't know, frailties in a My Girl type role, that would have worked and then wait until he's like late teens to give him a dark role. But like, it's kind of... They were so fucking greedy, this family. But like, in a way, it's better because it's like, okay, we have the most famous child actor of all time. Everybody loves him. He's the cutest kid in the world. He's like, you know, he's... And we're just gonna make sure that like... Everybody like can see him as a psychotic murderer because that's know, it's <laughs> fucking great. And the fucking posters for this shit are it's laughable. <laughs> like it's terrible. Uval has many faces like in a quiet town, in a lovely community, in a perfect home. Like evil can be as close as like the ones you like. You're like fuck, it's fucking it's fucking Kevin McAllister. <laughs> like with a kitchen knife. This is so stupid. Um like, yeah, I, I didn't find the movie that disturbing. Elijah Wood's great. Uh, I also, like, I enjoyed the movie, rewatching it. I don't think there's that much depth. I, I think this movie is worth watching, like, as a first-timer and also as, like, a novelty, like, to watch this. Here's a gift to the world. Macaulay Culkin is a psychotic murderer, little cute boy. Like, that's really fucked up. Well, um, that's the thing. I mean, I think if you're a fan of Macaulay Culkin, this is must-see. I don't know if there are fans of Macaulay Culkin out there, aside from me. But, like, I think, yeah, like, as far as, like, Macaulay Culkin's filmography goes, this is, like, <laughs> way up there with, like... Required you know, viewing. It's, like, Home Alone, My Girl, and this movie are, like, the top three that you have to watch, pretty much. No Richie Rich? I've never seen Richie Rich. Richie Rich. I, I wanted to kind of... Uh, you know actually there's one movie we haven't talked about which I also haven't seen which I really wanted to watch for the podcast but I I didn't have time and I I couldn't find it Mm -hmm. is Getting Even with Dad because I think oh man that's that sounds right up my alley just the title of it it's like it's a little bit later and also like you know because we've talked a little bit about his father and how controlling he was like he was like he's basically you know he was his manager and like there, that didn't end well, and I think the fact that there's a movie called Getting Even with Dad, uh, and Macaulay is... Culkin's got this great like long haircut, and he's got like those jackets that had the contrast interior. It's like so nineties. It's like forest yeah. green with red. Yeah, it's great. So I would have liked to have watched that for the podcast, but I didn't. I didn't. So maybe we can follow up a little well, bit later. Well, I, like I'm down with this. Like it's got Ted Danson as the dad, like on the cover, doing like I don't know what I did kind of position with like a Jerry Seinfeld outfit, yeah. like with white white running shoes and I'm sure it's a terrible movie I mean there's no way in hell that this movie could be any good but I'm sure I've seen it I just don't remember it like I was super into Macaulay Culkin as a kid cause like hey who else are you gonna look up to man yeah um so any any notes on kind of Macaulay Culkin's later work well unfortunately it's been a while since I've seen like Party Monster and Saved I think in a way I'm a little bit disappointed that he hasn't like really pursued an acting career as an adult because I think I think it's you know like there's some actors that like 
their kind of like history in a way like if you put them in certain movies like you can't help like it's impossible to look at them without thinking of their past like what they represented you know before so in a way like i feel like there's still a lot of potential to macaulay culkin as an actor today and i mean just you know how they get by that you get beyond that past is by doing new things. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I you're suppose. as strong as your last project. Like, do something great now, and that's what we'll talk about now, and that's what you'll be remembered for in a year. Yeah, yeah. Like that's Elijah true. Wood, we don't remember him from Flipper. We remember him from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Has he done something since? I don't know. Like, look at Jake Gyllenhaal. He was the Donnie Darko guy until he was the Brokeback Mountain guy. Then he was the Brokeback Mountain guy until he was like, whatever, you know, like he's always doing new roles. So, like Macaulay yeah. Culkin. But the, but I mean but those guys were not I mean Macaulay Culkin is different though because like Macaulay Culkin was the most famous child in you know in America potentially Anna, Anna Paquin like, was pretty fucking famous as a kid too and won an Oscar as a kid no but it's not the same though it's not the same like like Kevin McAllister everybody like I mean I know not as iconic but she didn't do anything for like most of her teenagehood Mm -hmm. and then like went to school and this and that and then just took a role in True Blood right and then just now she's known as like a vampire TV show girl right like if you're not doing anything at the moment then people only remember you for your most noteworthy thing yeah and that's fine. Like, you don't have to be an actor forever. And maybe you're this person who's like, yeah, I'm an, a master carpenter. I used to be famous as a kid. I'm yeah. like, you know, the, the world remembers me for my movies, but my family and friends and my neighborhood knows me for my woodwork, whatever. Right. The thing is that, I mean, I think I guess I would just, I would just want to see more of Macaulay Culkin. I feel like there's, Macaulay Culkin has another great movie in him that he hasn't filmed yet and I maybe uh, like middle-aged Macaulay Culkin will surprise us with a great dramatic role man Hollywood loves a comeback yeah well I think I think that's about it I don't do you have anything else you want to add or no no I think like I'm I'm glad we rewatched Good Son Uh, I'm glad that Macaulay Culkin's back on my radar again um yeah but just as always like uh, I hope that uh, anyone listening enjoyed the show uh, you can always find us uh, at our email address if you want to like drop us a line or give us suggestions or, or any feedback at uh, no ticket show at gmail.com wait is it no ticket show or no ticket podcast no it's no ticket show oh okay yeah sure we're... I'll take your word for that alright it's been great thanks for listening Again, this is a podcast that we're making always in mind of uh, maybe an imaginary listener named uh, Shelley, who was born in 1999. Yes. She hasn't seen a lot of movies. She probably hasn't seen The Good Son because it was made many years before she was born. But she's our number one fan. She listens to every episode and she just like... (laughs) She's like the one who like, we're not even going to make no ticket podcast shirts, but like she's going to send us like a design she made of no ticket podcast shirts and it's going to have like all sorts of cool like I don't know like hashtags that we don't know because she's younger and hipper and but like she'll publicize it but like on social platforms I don't know it'll be like Snapchat selling the t-shirt or something (laughs) then she'll laugh at us with our Facebook and our email